Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett. My name is Brian Colbert Kennedy. Hi, Brian Colbert Kennedy. Hey, buddy. Okay, yep, this is the podcast where we dive into a specific topic or question affecting everyone, all of you, on the planet. Uh, I think there's only like three or four people off the planet, right? In space? Yeah. Three at a time? I think it holds six. Up at ISS, but it's not full. No, it's not full. No, no, no. Uh, Anyways, right now in the next 10 years or so, uh, if it can kill us or turn us into Geordie LaForge, we're in. Our guests are scientists, doctors, engineers, politicians, astronauts, even a reverend. Uh, We work together, all of us, towards action steps. Our listeners, that's you, can take with their voice, their vote, and their dollar. This is your friendly reminder that you can send questions, thoughts, and feedback to us on Twitter at ImportantNotImp mm-hmm. or email us at funtalk at importantnotimportant.com. Or you can leave us a voice message at the link in our show notes, I guess. Why would you do that? That's so fun. We can well, incorporate their voices. We can talk about it on the Fun Talk. <laughs> Uh, you can also join thousands of other smart people and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. Don't miss our morning show on Instagram, uh, hosted by Brian, by himself, every morning-ish West Coast on Instagram. Yes, sometimes with you as a as a co-host. Which Occasionally, is we'll find out today, yep. it's 2.30 on the East Coast. Out. This week's episode is, hey man, we're talking about home, talking about rebuilding Los Angeles, uh, making it greener, more equitable. Uh, we're getting specific. Can we do it? That's Can the question. Can we do it? Uh-huh. Our guest, tell them about our people. Our guest is Jenna Lee Obergfell. She's down the street. She's rad. Uh-huh. And thankfully, she's in charge of quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. She's been working her way in there for a while and uh, getting some shit done. And now uh, seems like she's in a position, I think, to basically win Game of Thrones. I think that was the, the gist of it. Yeah, I think she's going to win the Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You got to listen to this. If the Game of Thrones were creating more equitable housing and urban transportation yes. options yes. in a less hot and more breathable uh, cityscape. Yeah, I guess it's not that much like Game of Thrones. Better. We'll see if it ends better. Yeah. Ooh, all right, let's go talk to Jenna Lee. Our guest today is Jenna Lee Obergfeld, and together we're going to talk about uh, Los Angeles' supposedly new and exciting Green New Deal and everything we got going on here. Uh, do just fewer cars and more houses uh, that people can actually afford equal a green paradise in L.A.? Uh, Jenna Lee, welcome. Hi, welcome. I'm so happy to be here. We are thrilled well, to have you. I'm still in the same place. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm happy to <laughs> chat with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, a few miles down the road. Yeah, we're close. I love that. Yeah. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen often. Um, uh, we're very excited to have you, Jenna Lee. Uh, let's start the show, if you wouldn't mind, by just uh, letting everybody know who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Jenna Lee Obrickfell, and currently I am a city planning associate with the city's Department of City Planning. And then formerly, I, was with, I spent five years with under, working under Mayor Garcetti on his sustainability team and helped develop and then implement the sustainable city plan that is now referred to as LA's Green New Deal. Uh, that is that is awesome. Not a small task, um, <laughs> I, I can imagine. Uh, LA is not a complicated place uh, by any stretch. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got to this place? I guess metaphorically and literally. Like spiritually and physically. What, um, whatever you got. <laughs> yeah. I I actually grew up in the borders. I grew up in Imperial County. Okay. 
which was which is on the California Mexico border, mm-hmm. um, home of you may know that you be familiar with this the Salton Sea, mm-hmm. which is one of the more polluted uh, areas in California. Sure. Um, and realized at a young age that we were using our land resources not in the best way. Um, and then also being on the border, you realize that sometimes businesses would just move to the Mexican side of the border and because it had less environmental regulations, but the, the impacts were still felt. Interesting. You know, across on the other side. Right, because pollution but, you know, doesn't just go straight up in the air and not affect everybody else. No. Right. Pollution does not have passport. and <laughs> doesn't need one. Mm-hmm. And so then from a young age, realized, I was like, hey, there's something wrong here. This is not okay. What, is there a, a job that I could do? I had a brief foray into community organizing because I think I've always believed that there is immense power at the local level mm-hmm. over state and federal. Um, I think just local, the smaller the area, I mean, in LA is huge, but, but the more localized the politics, the bigger the change mm-hmm. and the faster that you'll see the change. Um, and then started once again, I was like, this land use thing keeps coming up and eventually figured out that I should go to planning school. <laughs> And then ended up in planning school, really focused on housing and community development, and then kind of found myself in the environmental realm as well. And then shortly after graduation, the previous deputy chief sustainability officer for the city of LA, who had had just been appointed because the mayor had just come into office, was a a two-sentence email to our urban planning listserv alarm thing we need someone um and it was very vague there was no job description at all <laughs> and i was like i'm gonna go for it let's see what happens uh, that's amazing yeah i was like i'll write this bs cover letter and see and see what i assume they think you know they might need in a policy analyst so i was hired very early on in the administration straight out of graduate school and had previous community organizing experience and event planning and and advocacy work, mm-hmm. but never actually worked for an elected official, which I think is a very just unique way to look at the world and to, and to deal with problems. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then, and was in the city and then got a bird's eye view of the city and how difficult it was to wrangle and create a plan. But the, the one thing with being in a, in a mayoral office in such a big city is that you see everything in a bird's eye view, but you're not really dealing with targeted specific problems every day. And then that was kind of what led to the transition to the Department of City Planning and a, a promotional opportunity opened up. And I was like, let's, let's look at this more targeted and go back into what I think is super important in LA, which is housing and transportation and seeing sure. how you can look at that through an environmental lens. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how you said, you know, you started in, in housing and then it kind of drifted towards environmental and now transportation. And I mean, if there's anything, I think if, if you're paying attention at all in this city, it, it is very, and, and to be clear, like a lot of right, right, rich white people are not, but 
uh, if you're paying attention at all, you realize like those three things are are completely linked together here. You know, housing and, yeah. and transportation and, and the environment, whether it's urban heat or the lack of subway stops or or um, you know the the need to drive because of the sprawl and the lack of high density. I mean, it it all goes together. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's something that, um, yeah, I think the the higher income that you have, that you don't realize the huge need, and the, and then you don't you also don't realize that people really do commute just using metro in the city. But there's right. people that, so, that it's not a choice, but it's a need. So one of my first before I was in Los Angeles, I was in New York and London and uh, Barcelona, and uh, I remember. <laughs> When I first got here, all what, wonderful places. I was like, all those places are fun. Yeah. No, they're great. They also also yeah. have excellent public transportation. I mean, New York's is completely crumbling and literally underwater. But the point is, it's it's a it's more accessible. And and I remember when I first got here ten, 10 years ago now, uh, you just said how, how some people don't believe that people use the metro every day or have to use the metro every day. And one of my first conversations when I got here was with a, a young person about my age. I, I must have been. I don't know, 25, 26 at the time, and they seemed about uh, a similar in age. And and I think they'd been here for a while because we were talking about subways. And all I took away from the conversation was their last point, uh, which was, but when you get off the subway, then you have to walk where you're going. And they were just greatly, <laughs> they were so confused. And that was clearly like such a deal breaker to them. And I was like, oh shit, like this is the problem. <laughs> like, if, yeah. It it's insane, and and it's been ten years, and Uber and and Lyft have 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 made it have made some things better. There's so much uh, less drunk driving in, in in Los Angeles, but at the same time, made it so much worse in congestion ways, and 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 uh, transportation ridership is down. But anyways, I was just that framed it for me, and I was just like, oh, that's the thing. People like, just don't know that. Yeah, they it, can walk. It's anyways, anyways. All right, wow. uh, <laughs> um, Brian. Let's get, get this, we're gonna yeah. dig into all this. We're gonna dig yes, into all. Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Uh, yeah, generally we're gonna um, we're gonna uh, go over uh, what we're gonna talk about today uh, on our topic at hand, and you and um, uh, dig into some action oriented questions uh, that get to the uh, heart of why we should care about uh, you and what you're fighting for, uh, and and what everybody that's listening can can do to help. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. So generally, we, we like to start with one important question to sort of set the tone and put you on the spot a little bit. So instead of saying, tell us your whole life story, which I realized that I did, we usually like to ask, generally, why are you vital to the survival of the species? Oh, wow. I think it's actually <laughs> my enthusiasm and optimism would be my superpower. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Tell me about it. We need that yeah, so bad. I think, I think once you you keep you know you hear all the bad news and then just you're constantly bombarded, especially now you know with just like negative images. You know there was like the the biodiversity report that was out a few weeks ago where we're like we're killing species, and it's really hard to see like what what can we do better. And I think that's where you need people with the superpowers of optimism and enthusiasm that just a hundred percent believe that there is good in the world and that with enough storytelling because i don't think data necessarily works mm-hmm. anymore it used to mm-hmm. but i think with the sto- with the right storytelling of mix of data 
and personal connection, that's where your really hearts and minds can be changed is when people realize how it impacts them and or or someone that they love. So I think I do believe that people will will start getting better habits. And then the enthusiasm is to keep going. Even and it's, even though movements start very slowly. So if, even if it's just one person, that one person will eventually ripple and change their habits to others and lead by example. And people do get inspired by others and the, and others' commitment. And, you know, like that, I think peer-to-peer, you know, not peer-to-peer knowledge and influence is so key to helping movement build and strengthen. Sure. I think those are my two. Just that I, I like ultimately do believe that people will rise to the occasion and have faith in that. And that, you know, I'm a moraler, so I'll keep when even when my colleagues are sad, I'm like, no, there's there's a positive way to this. And you can send you can send me to the Venus community meeting and also be excited and enthusiastic to be there and so we'll find goodness in it. I feel like I need to call you once a day. Yeah, I was going to say, like a, you need to <laughs> yeah. be friends, guys. This is, this is exactly what like needs. Like an IV drip of your optimism and enthusiasm. And I, and I do have it. It's just, and I'm sure you feel this sometimes, like you, you have to. You can't just be like this incredible care bear uh, because you, you are a human. And it's just like sometimes, uh, it's, sometimes it's just hard. It's just heavy. But, I know. Yeah, but, I think I, I do prayer and meditation a lot. So I think that when those, and that, and that actually came from working here because I think it was really hard working in the city, trying to lift up this plan and then having, you know, and it, and it was hard. I think the first plan, like we had so many roadblocks to get it published and not knowing when it would get published. And a lot of this mm-hmm. was just turning to meditation and prayer and being like, okay, I'm sad, but I'm, I'm giving this sadness. It's acknowledgement and then trying to find you know, the, the positive aspect of even why it's positive, why it's a good thing to be sad sometimes. That's awesome. I I love that. (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm not of the prayer ilk, but uh, I do, I'm a strong practicer of meditation and I, and I really, man, uh, I can tell such a difference between when I'm doing it and when I'm not consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever your thing is, yeah, whether it's yeah. praying or meditation. Literally, or and one of the else. questions we'll ask you at the end is, is what do you do for sort of self-care? What do you do Can we get overwhelmed? And we've gotten such a huge variety of answers oh, from, yeah. you know, scientists who work on this stuff every day or people working in cancer or, or you know, yada, yada. And, and it's it's fun to hear the, the different answers, but but um, those things, uh, turning inward and acknowledging them and then and then moving along has, has been a uh, has been a pretty consistent answer consistent answer throughout oh yeah to, to keeping your head on straight awesome well well i love that again i'm gonna like schedule just like a 10 second call with you, <laughs> yeah. you just go it's fine it's gonna be fine uh as if you're not busy enough all right so just some kind of quick context about what is happening here just sort of uh, taking it from because basically our, our our guests are all you know there are they're texting and driving so they don't have time to to Ugh. look this up themselves or read the article so we want to get them all on the same page when they're driving because of course they're not riding the subway so we, we've talked a, a, a lot about the green new deal here in in previous episodes uh with with people like uh varshini prakash and uh rihanna gunwright and some others uh who are working on the national level and the local levels 
so we don't need to dig too far into that one. Uh, you're mostly caught up, uh, folks. If, if you are new here, and we always have a lot of new listeners every week, welcome, one, welcome. And two, uh, you can check those previous episodes out at your leisure or as soon as humanly possible because things are not great out there. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we need to. So, anyways, because Congress is only uh, the federal Congress is only slightly less of a dumpster fire than it was two years ago. The, the, the national green new deal is still formally a couple of resolutions, right? This is one of the big mistakes from the beginning is people going, it's nothing. And it's like, yes, it's their resolutions. This is not legislation. In reality, right now, it is a massive set of legal works that are in progress and they're being developed and, and, and drafted by a, a horde of incredible diverse people, including uh, real American heroes like Rihanna Gunwright over at, New, uh, new consensus. New consensus. Yeah, I think so. I think I thought I was going to say New Republic, but I think that's the, uh, <laughs> the place that goes close. No, down. that's another thing. Yeah. No, I I was just with her at the Grist Gallery. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Cool. She is. Yeah. One of my favorite people on the planet now, and and I feel lucky every time she responds to some to something I send her because uh, <laughs> I'm just obnoxious. She's anyway, wonderful. <laughs> um, she's, she's working. So much, she's so much fun. She's like the very fun. She is, but I also love person. how that's great. Honest yeah. she is in public she is about like yeah. this this shit is hard and having to stand up for the reasons she's including certain things, et cetera, et cetera. So she has work cut out for her. And there's such a huge variety of amazing people are working with her and for her and and and, and mobilizing for the support around those things. Further on the national front, we're we're still in the formal process of pulling out of the Paris deal, not effective until basically election day, which is just great. But in the meantime, a number of states and cities and companies have decided to sort of form an alliance or they just do their own thing, stating their intention to to remain, to stay true to these principles in the agreement. And subsequently they've been passing or we're trying to pass, uh, like Washington State, a, a variety of measures to stop uh, the current version of the apocalypse. So we talk a lot about, uh, and, and lots of people talk a lot about, being California being the sort of the, this this vanguard of the resistance and the the tip of the sword and other exciting metaphors of progress for <laughs> for uh, society or clean energy and progressive values, right? And it's complicated. Los Angeles, uh, and specifically dialing it down, uh, gets a lot of uh, sunshine. Um, but but how green is it uh, right now? You know, we've got uh, we we expanded the four hundred five, and we have even more cars on the road. We've got uh, the the dirtiest, one of the largest shipping ports on the planet. We're still dr- drilling for oil, literally down the street from a just lovely assortment of minority neighborhoods, and they've all got asthma and urban heat issues. We've got subways, but ridership is is way down, and the bulk of our public transportation is above ground. So, the question is kind of where do we go from here, and how do we put actions to words? We're, we're fighting droughts and, and raging wildfires, and then mudslides, and it's a cycle now. Uh, we're dealing with these urban heat issues with with children and old folks in homes and classrooms every day. Uh, one of our previous guests, Molly Peterson, has done some wonderful work on that. Uh, so the question is, is is does the mayor of the second biggest city in America, part of the biggest county in the country by long shot, uh, have it within him and his administration to, to make this radical change that we need to make for Los Angeles and the country and the rest of the world. Because like you said, uh, pollution doesn't need or have passports. Basically, can generally use her optimism to save the world starting from <laughs> Los Angeles. So can we rebuild it? Can we go green? And can we make it equitable along the way? Because like you said, those 
three tenets of transportation and housing and the environment are very much tied together and also three of our biggest issues. Yeah, I would say definitely that was, that's why I'm still here. You know, I've been very, you know, unmillennial of myself <laughs> that I've stayed in a place for six years um, <laughs> working in the same um, Careful, building. they'll find you, man. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be like, what? Mm-hmm. She's vested. What is that? Yeah, um, but... Anyway, <laughs> who does that? It's crazy. What are um, you, a boomer? <laughs> yeah. What is this going on? So, and I think. Oh yeah. Go ahead. There's in the last six years alone that I've been an uh, an employee for the, a public servant for this amazing city. There's been so many policy changes, and then it is now. The funny thing, I was like, it took. You know, they, they got implemented and I would say like within around year five, I started seeing some of the first, you know, the good that came out of the, some of the first policy changes that we made. I was like, oh, because oh, everything does take a little while and everything takes collaboration and a little bit of bargaining. So I may go into a Game of, of Thrones reference or... Yep, no, let's do it. It's uh, yeah, do it. Yeah, or like, you know, like the a spoiler from the referencing the, the finale and and it wasn't the best thing but it was so funny and I'm like yeah that's how government works is when they were like what should we build everything got destroyed what should we rebuild first, right. uh-huh. first? uh the the ships in the port or the brothels and I was <laughs> right. like yes that is exactly what those <laughs> meetings look like and it was a bunch of white guys at the table maybe it's a bunch of white guys <sighs> yeah, and then it, you know, and there's obviously the special interest group of the mm-hmm, brothels, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. oh god, <laughs> um, pushing That's their weird. agenda. Right. And I was like, you know, whatever you, however you feel about the last episode of Game of Thrones, I just was like laughing. I'm like, yeah, this is why I started watching this show in the beginning because there was so many similar scenes of what it's like to navigate. Was, so was Uh-oh. watching Game of Thrones like watching The Office for you, basically? Was it your version? <laughs> no, you know what? You know what was really... Well, no, I always laughed. I was like, that's what people think working in an elected office is like, but really we're a combination of Parks and Rep. Parks oh, and yeah, Rec yeah, and there Deep. you go. Yeah. Like, I feel it's more like Parks and Rep and Deep. Oh, I was like, we're not, as, we're not as glamorous as the Game of Thrones. You know, no one being fabulous. I mean, everyone wants to be, but I was like, I don't think we're right. We're as bland, but fabulous as Game of Thrones. I have a friend of the pod that's, uh, that refuses to come on because of his high government position, which is fair. <laughs> and he always says, uh, it, it, I remember a few years ago when, when House of Cards was big and before Kevin Spacey was revealed to be a complete monster. Um, and everyone's like, oh, is, is your job more House of Cards or Veep? And he's like, Veep every day. Like it's not, it's nowhere near as like sexy and cool. <laughs> right. He's like, it's a, it's, no. it's just a bunch of like, basically like idiots who have, uh, who think and want more power than they could possibly have and wouldn't know what to do with it, basically. And, and just special interest groups left and right. Um, Good thing it's yeah, so funny because it's also scary as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, and then the parks and rep aspect is that those, those community meetings do happen. And oh like, God. Yeah. The, <laughs> like with, with the small <laughs> town halls and everybody hollering crazy <laughs> shit at you. Yeah, but except we have like huge town halls and every right. and there's just more people hollering oh my God. crazy right. things. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we derailed, but that's okay. So, <laughs> uh, generally, we talked a little bit about how you uh, got 
where you are, yeah, how you got here. How how did you uh, begin to define your role uh, and and where you wanted to make a difference? I think. Well, first of all, I don't. I think I'm. I was. I felt called to do this, and I think I'm open. I understand how big the environmental issues are. I do think land use. I don't know. There was always a strong, even from when I was a child, there was a strong connection to the land. Yep. My grandfather actually helped build the the canal that brought Colorado River water to Imperial County to help make it an agricultural wow. place. So, the, so I think that was always very, in, you know, ingrained in our in our family to understand land and and how it's a resource and how our livelihoods are dependent on it and also how, how we shouldn't, you know, waste water because we, we grew up in a desert and there wasn't, and it was dependent on droughts and there wasn't always water. So I think that was a, a real awareness. I didn't realize urban planning was a job until way later in life. I think I was already in college where I was like, what, you can study how to build <laughs> cities? What is this? Um, and that's kind of when I was like, no, I believe that, I was like, this all goes in line to what I believe that at the local level, you can really make a difference. And to go back to your earlier question, the city of LA, is, yes, it is a huge city, but at the same time, the fact that we, that the city manages its own ports and airport and water utility is what is going to make it it's the fact that we have our, we and so we initially, we essentially have our own, the power to change those governing models because they are essentially owned by taxpayers in the city. And I think so that's where, and they're not privatized. And I think that's how we're going to make huge, you know, I have been making huge strides. Yeah. Is that they're essentially government agencies. Mm-hmm. And government right now is trying to shift because not only, is it the is it the right thing to do? But it's also in the long term cost savings, mm-hmm. and it's why the LAPD was so excited to be the first department to get an entirely electric uh, administrative fleet. And that when we started, we never thought LAPD would be the ones that were super excited about that. That was not right. <laughs> within our radar. That we're like, oh, the police department, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Like, sure, sure. <laughs> You know, in the world, they're like always talking about how much paper they've saved. So it was kind of funny to see how empowering each of the departments to have their own initiatives and have their own goals that they were providing metrics on. And then some of them even got staff around just environmental issues have changed, have deeply changed the culture of each of the departments so that it's going to withstand even, I think, the transition of the next mayoral administration. And that, and that was the logic of like, I want to be ingrained in a department. So I'm also a part of that culture change. For sure. As it occurs. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the big new LA Green New Deal unveiled uh, by the time this comes out in a couple weeks, but a couple, couple months ago, a month or two ago. I want to talk about a little bit how, because again, there's such a wide variety of momentum and stops and starts but there is momentum in states and cities and municipalities across the country now um, and across the world. I mean, you look at, um, you know, Madrid has banned cars downtown, uh, you know, a few days a week and yeah. things like that. Um, so, yeah, I want to talk about how the plan measures up to what some of these other cities have have proposed or begun to accomplish or already accomplished. Obviously, it's always important to clarify. And 
and I feel like half of the city, the city of Los Angeles doesn't even understand this, that, that the mayor, whether it's Garcetti or whoever's coming next, um, is not the mayor of Los Angeles County, right? He is the major of the city of Los Angeles and Los Angeles County proper is comprised of, what, what, I think, 88 cities, right? So for something like congestion charges, which uh, are, are complicated but successful in most places, uh, very necessary in a city is congested around. Um, it's a little easier in New York because Manhattan is an island. Uh, there's only so many ways on and off. So their issue was never really defining the transition points. It was uh, it was the the political nature and 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 dealing with with Albany. So you know the question of like how do we accomplish something similar similar? How do we compare? Uh, transportation isn't really the largest share of our emissions, but you know it's a, it's a huge chunk and it's important to note. Of course, carbon emissions aren't the only byproduct. I, I think it was the Union of Concerned Scientists, right, Brian, that put out that report recently that not yeah. surprisingly said that California has massively unequal exposure to, to PM2 particles. So let's talk about, uh, t- t- tell us about the plan, uh, the broad strokes, and then we can dig into it. And then let's talk about where you grabbed from other places or what's, what's uh, unique to, to the City of Angels. Sure. And I can, I can talk um, to the fact that all cities actually are constantly working together. And you're like, what is that? Um, partly it's the California way because we have a long history of be- of like just the people that came to California that helped create the state were very anti the vertical power structure of the older cities such mm-hmm. as New York and Chicago that have a very strong mayoral um, system were purposefully California and then and it's more of an and also in the city of LA we're trying to decentralize power mm-hmm. which means that things take a little longer because you have a 15 member city council that has all the legislative authority in the city and then you have a mayor's office that essentially has control over the budget and the gen- and can hire and fire general managers you know, and then can do executive directives, but they're supposed to be a check. They're purposely intended to be a checks and balance to each other. That no body is more powerful than the other one. On top of that, you have a county that has five supervisors that control an area that includes, you know, basically from the ocean to Pomona. Sure. Yeah, it's incredible. And the from the valley to, you know, the, I was like, I forgot when, who, who would be, you know, past Long Beach. And if you're, if you're from here, you know, like, holy shit, that's so far. And if you're not from here, right. you can, like, it's really hard to grasp, like, how fucking different those places are and yeah. how, how much is in between them. Yeah, and that's like half, I would say half of Southern California is like, like you know, I don't know the specifics, but it's, it's also the most populous part of the state. Right. And the city of LA alone is like, almost 500 square feet um, of just city. Uh, not 500, 500 square I was like, let me look. So, you know, so it's just like this huge monster of a place that in order to really pass effective legislation, you need to collaborate with a bunch of people. Right. So one of the, the key things also was that when we were creating the Sustainable City Plan, that's not a good new deal, we were 
constantly talking to the county board of supervisors so that they mm-hmm. would start and create their own sustainability team, mm-hmm. which they did. And then now they're, they have a draft for their, our county LA report, which is their version of the same, their sustainable, their sustainability plan, mm-hmm. which is great. So that was kind of like the, the momentum of like, if we do it, we encourage others to do it. Sure. But there's also a lot of network for cities that are, that are involved in climate work. So that I think also helps is internationally is B40, which has all the mega cities in the world get together and the LA is on the steering committee for that and, and help push climate initiatives. And there's a staff that helps and supports us. And they were very crucial to helping and develop the green new deal by providing staff support and actually funding a position here in the, in LA to help finish and draft the, you know, to help draft this update to the plan um, to be more ambitious than it was before. Um, So that's one great, help and that and that means us communicating with Madrid and London and we even had like an exchange program with the mayor's office of London where some for their air quality person actually took a sabbatical and was with us for six months and helped get some of our air quality goals up and running. Oh that's super um, cool. Before he Yeah, so it's so it's very much it's very collaborative. We're on you know, I used to be on weird webinars at seven AM talking about food systems with you know, people all over the global South and Europe. So it's a, so we are learning from one another at the national level. The mayor started the climate mayor, which I think was, has, was, has been really crucial in, in, in pushing climate goals and getting cities together, especially since, um, 2016. I don't know what happened in 2016, but at, around November, everyone wanted to join. It's so weird. It's it's like it's so weird. What's the quote from Star Wars? It's like there was a great cry and uh, everything. Yeah, went batshit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then everyone was like, "Yes, we want to be, you know, in in community together, fighting the good fight." Yeah, and let's let's see how to, you know, that's how I was like. I remember Mayor Pete when he was a climate mayor, uh, and now he's in the national spotlight. Right. Right. So talk to us a little bit about what's in the plan. Like what are, what are sort of the main strokes of, of, of what the, uh, what, what we're going to be working on going forward. However, however you feel like is the best way to sort of talk about it and, and present it. Cause you know, again, this is part, part of why we exist is there's just so much fucking news every day. I feel like so many people in Los Angeles and California don't even know this thing exists or what was yeah. in it or you know, is it going to happen? And what does it mean? You know, that's what we're always trying to take a step back and really define things for people and help them sort of hit over the head. Like, no, this is what's happening. This is who is involved. This is what they can do. Um, this is how you can, you know, affect it in some way. So, so I'd love to really put it out there. Like, look, this is, this is what's being presented and this is what is, has to be done to get it done. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just hit some of the bigger targets. Cause Let's I also, they helped finalize some of the targets and then that's when my transition happened, but mm-hmm. I can, I, I can help start with, um, one of the big things was building a zero carbon electricity grid by 2036 to make sure that California leads to hundred percent renewables by 2045. This is going to be a lot of numbers. I love Create numbers. 300,000 new green jobs by 2035. Making sure that all new municipally owned buildings and any major 
renovations of buildings will be all electric, effective immediately, the municipal ones, which is great because we're doing a whole new civic center downtown. Mm -hmm. So that'll, that'll be a part of that. Achieving zero waste by phasing out styrofoam, which was something that we've, we've been tinkering with by 2021. And then, you know, small steps. The, the plastic strap ban is already in effect. But ending this, that and single-use takeout containers by 2028. And then we, the idea with, with that helping us lower how much trash we're creating and stopping trash from going to landfills by 2050. Recycling 100% of our wastewater by 2035. That's a big one. And having... Yeah, that's a huge one. And then sourcing it locally. Sourcing 70% of it locally. And then planting and maintaining... No, I was just going to say, I, I, I feel like we could do an entire another conversation just on the water stuff. I mean, I, I, I know everyone was like, you know, a few years ago, we had the drought issues and now they're like, it's done. And it's like, oh man, no. So it's so complicated. Yeah. yeah. I have a great person to recommend if you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about that later for episode. sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And then planting and maintaining at least 90,000 trees by 2021 in order to A, deal with heat. Uh, urban heat island issues, and then increased tree canopy, especially in low-income communities mm-hmm. that don't really have it. So there's parts of LA that that don't really have a lot of trees. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And that's really and it and it bugs to wait for the bus if it's really hot and there's no tree. Yep. <laughs> right. 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 We we had a really interesting conversation that I'll send you, and I'd love to connect you with this uh, a journalist friend, Molly Peterson, who's more or less the smartest person I know, who for a year put sensors all around uh, schools in low-income neighborhoods in LA and dealt with the urban heat stuff and uh, did some really amazing reporting on that and just opened my eyes to it. And it, yeah, it comes to, it's, it's the pollution, it's the cars, it's the lack of trees. And like you said, it's, you know, yeah. if it's too hot in schools, kids are sick and they can't pay attention and their grades go down and waiting for buses. It's just, again, so many people don't realize or they choose to not realize uh, what a factor that is. It's And it's not just Los yeah, Angeles. I mean, it's 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 a, it's 100 here from June to December, but it's in a lot of places as well. Yeah, it's all connected. It's definitely all connected. Hey guys, it's Quinn. If you're listening to this, you obviously like podcasts and you probably like music too. On Spotify, you can listen to all of that in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can download episodes to listen to offline, wherever you might be, and you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends via Spotify's integrations with social platforms like Instagram. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. You can just search for Important Not Important on the Spotify app or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Very convenient. And of course, you can follow us so you never miss an episode of Important Not Important. Uh, Spotify is the world's leading music streaming service, and now it can be your go-to for podcasts, too. So uh, how, how much focus is the, the mayor and, and, the, and the city council and the county board of supervisors giving this massive new initiative? You know, will it, will it, will it stand up to a new mayor in a couple of years? What, what is first up? What are we going after the hardest stuff first or, or the low hanging fruit? Um, you know, what can be done without the public needing to vote? I'm, I'm curious. I want to dig into it a little bit. 
so I think the low-hanging fruit stuff was all accomplished when the first version of the plan came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. And that was when we had two-year goals and, the, and a lot of that stuff got accomplished by then. This is all hard stuff that's currently. And some of it was already in the process because we knew we, we had 2025 goals in the, previous ver- in the previous version of the Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. Things that are happening, I think it's, the focus is now getting ordinances passed to make sure that they, you know, the projects are still, that, you know, some of the goals will be met. So currently, one example of that is voters passed Measure JJJ a few years ago on the ballot. That became, that mandated that the city do an incentive program to try to build out more affordable housing. Mm-hmm. That created the program that I work on now, which is the Transit-Oriented Communities Program, mm-hmm. which is an basically guideline and program where if you're at least 1500 feet from a metro stop or a rapid bus or two rapid bus lines, you can build out higher density on a property lot and then make sure that 11% of the units that you're providing are, are low income units. And that's, that's been a very successful program for the city. Mm -hmm. And it's been in effect for a year. And that's something that's not, that was a part of the original plan to meet our housing goal near transit. A voter initiative, a measure came on. Now we have this program and that's not going away. And, you know, mm-hmm. so that's something that will keep functioning regardless of who's in office. So it's gotcha. about getting those type of programs and like our like recycler program that was also on the plan a big aspect that i was working on previously was making sure that we would lower our food our food waste mm-hmm. which is ensuring that if businesses had you know extra food that if it was still not if it was still edible that it made we made sure to follow the epa guidelines of food waste so that it wouldn't necessarily become waste. And so then we were able to partner with businesses and um, community-based organizations that do food service mm-hmm. to get produce to them before it truly went bad, but before, but after it was no longer sellable because it wasn't as cute or something. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, people are picky about how it's produce crazy. Looks. Yes, it's they crazy. are. Yeah. So it, so it was like that in be- those few days in between. And ended up going to places like the St. Francis Center that actually has a service breakfast for people facing homelessness, but then turns into a food bank in the afternoon. And they're opening food banks at college, uh, community colleges. So that's another, so that's serving a, so then one program is essentially serving all these population needs. And we've been able to save a bunch, I forgot the total tonnage of, of food that would have essentially ended up in our landfill is now, you know, being put to good use. And then if it's really bad, there's another program that puts some of the produce at the LA Zoo for our animal. So that's, that's awesome. It, so if it's, yeah, so if it's not to the level of quality for human consumption, then we go to the next step, which is animal consumption. 
Sure, because that's oh. money the city would have been spent. You know, it's it it yeah, and it's being used. And I don't think people realize like it's not just the food not being eating. Like there are emissions that come from that. There is there is uh you know power that has to be used for it. It's food waste is is a is a massive problem. And in a place like this, it's just it's so integral to 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 building a a a more closed loop system. And the zoo loves it because it's also cost saving. They and the monkeys probably love it because they get fancy, you know, charred. Sure, they love, the, they love, the <laughs> love charred. Yeah, they love charred and plant burgers and you know, yeah. Fake cheese. They're getting very great. It was a joke. We're like, are they like getting full four star dining service over there? Just, you know, so there was a lot of jokes when that program got announced. Right, obviously. right, right. I hope they're all sitting at fancy wood tables with cloth napkins. Right. Is it like yeah? It's, 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 it's farm to table. Sipping from sipping from mason jars. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. yes. Little hipster monkeys. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Jenny, what is the what would you say is the like the most important thing on on your plate? Is there some aspect of this that is you know right at the top uh, top of the priority list with you? Something in the proposal or or something else? What are you what are you obsessed with? I think for for me, it it's definitely creating affordable housing near transit. We do in general, we just need more housing options in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been here, I, not I over twelve years, and it's just gotten worse. It's not something that's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that's a huge priority. And then with that, it's like making sure that the housing isn't next to uh, an abandoned oil well. Right. That would be like the huh. thing. Like, right. um, and make sure that the, that the uses make sense. Sure. And, that, and, that it's not, you know, I think that's important. And how are, how, you know, how are we doing there? Uh, you know, like what's in uh, on the front of like what's in place and what has been passed and and what hasn't. I know. Uh, I think it was SB fifty just uh, went down, but I, I and I know these things are complicated and there's NIMBY issues and and all that shit. But um, I'd love to hear your perspective from from inside uh, inside the government. Yeah, sure. I think we we're definitely there's definitely been improvement um let me i was like i have more numbers for you no please let's do it yeah so i think there's definitely been a big move i think not a lot of people know that the city essentially did restructure how it permits housing Mm -hmm. and how and created priority housing team to help developers do the entitlement process to make sure that it just happens as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and people became like housing multifamily housing experts and there's you know dedicated staff to that so i think that was a, something that was like a friend from the outside didn't know and she was like what that's happening and i'm like yes there are actually resources <laughs> that we <laughs> invested sure and <laughs> making sure this happens faster um, which are like, you know, those, those are, you know, those boring behind the scenes Game of Thrones conversations of like, what do we build first? Sure. But I, I can understand how, you know, some people would be skeptical of that anything is actually happening at all, uh, happening at all. Like 
both just because of how slow big cities can be and how complicated Los Angeles is and, you know, that we've not done great with it in the past. So I think just helping enlighten the process to those conversations are necessary and they are happening. And then we can get to the other steps is probably helpful because I think there are a lot of obviously really frustrated folks out there. Yeah. So, so I think within the, the quarter, the last quarter of 2018, through the transit-oriented communities program that I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, about 3,000 um, housing units were were entitled mm-hmm. to the city, which is great. Um, which is like a, a, a great number and definitely an improvement. And it was just the, the fact that the city has been tracking the process of of how this is doing of, of our housing units and how mm-hmm. to move forward mm-hmm. has all I think helped a help us understand what programs work and then what and then also help us see the trends and where and where we can help guide it and help improve the numbers and then some other policies that we've done has been like the accessory dwelling unit sure ordinance that was passed yeah has that made um, the, the, is that starting to make a big difference that specific one. It is. I think we're seeing like a like t- permits filed for those within like fifteen hundred, like you know anywhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred a quarter, mm-hmm. which I think is is uh, you know also you know better than nothing. It's something. No, um, in a huge city, yeah. in a huge county, it's 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 not yeah. much, but it's again better than it was before for sure. Yeah, and so then I think the number of ADU permits since the law, since filed since the change in the state law has gone up seventeen times compared to the two previous years before the state law occurred. So that's a big yeah, that's change. That's pretty big. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what what would you say for you? You know, as you fight for affordable housing and better public transportation, uh, has been your your biggest obstacle so far. What's pushing you back the most? Um, I think to, I always tell that cities are just grown to to change, partly because it's a huge, um, not cities, but I think like the larger the 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 government and the bureaucracy, the the harder, not the harder, but the slower it is to get people to realize that this change is happening or this policy occurred. Because there's a bit of, even in government, there's silos within our own departments, there's silos within our divisions and stuff. Um, trying to communicate with everyone that this is a priority or that this is a new way that the process has changed is sometimes difficult and takes a little longer. Yeah. And then you add in all the other stakeholders, and that's just internally, and then you add in, you know, angry neighborhood groups. Angry neighbors. <laughs> yeah, I and, imagine you, know, you see and that quite a bit a, of that. Yeah, yeah, and then you that creates a, a lengthy angry community organization. So I think the other thing that's unique about LA is that our there is this professionalized arm of advocacy group that their job is to essentially lobby for. The, the needs of their constituency that you that you don't necessarily see in other cities. But, you, but here you have 
professionalized environmental groups, you have professionalized housing groups, professionalized, you know, just direct action organizing neighborhood groups. Sure. Yeah. So where do you realistically think LA will be in Say 2022, four years. Yeah, not, like, too, not too far, not too close. It's a great follow up. Everything takes forever. Yeah. Where will we be in two years? Yeah. No, but I just, I, you know, because look, this is a fucking question people are going to ask. Oh, yeah. That we get all the time is, is like, okay, but when's it going to happen? When's right. this? And I'm like, uh, here's the deal Trump's still president. Yep. This isn't going to happen until then. Green New Deal isn't going to happen yeah. tomorrow. You know, it's like that shit. So in here, we've talked about these are, this is what happened in 2015. This is what we've accomplished. This is what's been proposed. This is, you know, Garcetti's going to be at the end of his term. He can't run again. There's going to be another one. You know, you've talked about some things that are going to carry over and will be protected and what involves the Board of Supervisors and the work that's been done behind the scenes. So we're just going to get the question. I'm sure you fucking get it too, which is just like, what do we look like in, four, let's say, yeah. four years from now? Because 10 is impossible and two is like, nothing's going to get done. So what, what do you feel is realistically, yeah. what, what are we capable of in, in you know, short and sweet answer in, in four years? I think you're going to see a lot more EV buses, like electric vehicle, electrification mm-hmm. of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So EV buses, um, a lot more EV, like electric vehicles, just because the infrastructure and the education is there and the range of the batteries. Because I think a lot of people were like, 90 miles is not enough with the first right. generation. Sure. Um, so I think you're going to see a big push for that. I, um, I also think. And even with the grist gathering, we were talking to the guy that's going to create electric airplane. Right, <laughs> it's crazy. Be you another... Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I do think you're going to see a lot more housing in LA mm-hmm. um, being built within the last four years, which includes a lot of more density in areas that are that have the transportation to supply it. So that'll be another like the West Side's probably going to look different around, you know, it's, it's big transportation corridors sure. than it did four years ago. I mean, yeah, than it did four years ago. And a lot of that housing being being affordable, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. The, I mean, the, the programs, they do have to provide affordable housing. So there'll be a lot more affordable housing. There is a lot of permanent supportive housing that's also being built. And, and with Measure HHH funds. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll see a lot of those projects um, actually come through. The first ones are already coming live and being built, but I, but that was, that took longer since people voted on that. I think in, I forgot what year, either 2015 or 2016. Mm-hmm. And then like, so, so you're going to start seeing that, those housing. Um, actually start to come to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're in the pipeline, and so that'll be exciting. That's awesome, and I think that's a fair point. Is I think people have started to forget a little bit about the thing that they voted on. uh, That then it doesn't just fucking happen the next day. Now you can, it it all has to be done now that there's permission or money allocated or the lawsuits are done or whatever it might be. And the Um, same thing with Metro. Metro is going to be built out, getting ready for those 2028 Olympics. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, God, uh, what a difference. Yeah. So, uh, all right, looking forward. Our, our our goal is to provide, again, sort of specific action steps our listeners can take uh, to support uh, your mission, the city's mission, the state's mission, uh, everyone who wants to not uh, be underwater slash on fire in the next 20 years. 
Um, so we like to say with their voice and their vote and their dollar. So let's talk about our voice. So sort of shining a light on where we need to go as a, as a people. You're speaking from inside uh, a, a relatively complicated and large administration, but uh, you know, I'm curious, um, what are the big but actionable and specific questions the rest of us should be asking of our representatives, whether it's uh, the Board of Supervisors or our local councilman or Garcetti or the state? I, I think it's always asked what, what they're doing in your neighborhood. I think when you bring mm-hmm. it to the neighborhood level and if it's something that that you care about, whether it be more street trees being planted or a need for electric vehicle infrastructure, if you bother your representative enough, you can make it happen. Because at the end of the day, not enough people are consistent. And the ones that, that do get the change to happen are the ones that are consistently applying pressure to get something to happen. The, the other thing is I would... The great thing, especially if you're in the LA area, is research and see what community-based organizations are out there that care about the things that inspire you and that you care about and get active and support them in ways. I think one of my favorite organizations is, is Food for War that I like to personally invest time in. Okay. They, they actually... Their whole business, essentially what they do, their whole mission thing is that they collect fruits and vegetables from people's personal gardens and and yarn mm-hmm. that they're not going to use and they collect them so it doesn't go to place and then they distribute them to other organizations that serve food to those that need them. That's awesome. And that's called Food Forward? Yeah. And so you can go orange picking and it's super fun. And you're out in nature, you're out in the, in the sun collecting oranges from someone's backyard. That's super cool. Oranges oh. are so good. Yeah. Yeah, that's the point, yeah, Brian. Like, that was the takeaway. Oranges are so I'm good. I'm just, I have a comment about what was said and I want to say it. I love oranges. <laughs> awesome. So what about, what about their vote? Who, are, I guess it's a kind of a complicated one in this, in this respect, which is like, wh- who, what should they be looking for in future representatives? Again, whether it's, uh, their their local uh, representative or board of supervisors or the next mayor. What what should they be really honing in on to 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 move these the, the major tenants of this plan forward? I think ask them if they have an environmental like what is their take on climate change? What are their future plans? Make sure that every elected official is thinking about it because they're they they will make decisions that impact um, that have greater impact. I think also, if you're in the LA area, look at what the, there's two organizations that are that actually do a get out the vote and have and do electoral politics, which is the League of Conservation Voters mm-hmm. and Sierra and Sierra Club. So, mm-hmm. so see who they're endorsing. They have endorsement hearings and meetings. Get educated and 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 try to understand the logic. That, of who you can vote for. And if you care, and if you're really passionate about electoral politics, get involved. They're always looking for new people too. run for something. Yeah. Yeah. Run for something. Awesome. 
So you mentioned uh, last one with their, with their dollar. You obviously we can't just give money to you. I'm pretty sure that would be paying off a <laughs> city official. Yeah, but, that's pretty illegal. That's yeah, not do not <laughs> do it. Got it. We need her. Yeah. Um, uh, no envelopes of cash, Brian. <sighs> yeah, I know. I know that's your go-to. So you mentioned Food Forward. Are there any other awesome organizations? But like you just said, um, uh, League of Conservation Voters, Sierra Club that do a good job here. Anyone else? Uh, locally that's really helping to push these things, either getting great people like that in office or that you guys are working together with or things that you just, like you said, food forward that you privately love that are, that are making an impact. Yeah, I think there's so many. I I will, I can give you a a long list. Do Um, it. Let's get it. A a great history of environmental justice organizations uh, in the area that are frontline combating you know, going head to head with the poor and trying to make them greener. Uh, so anyone, you know, and, and also implementing really cool projects and, and policies. So like off the top of my head, I would say, look at organizations like Pacoma Beautiful, CLA that actually does farmers, that actually helps get farmers markets in low income communities. That does a great and they help start the the Hollywood Farmers Market, which is a fan favorite in the area. And that's called CLA. Can you spell that out? S E E hyphen L A. Okay, awesome. Um, there's East Yard Communities, and they do a lot of active stuff around air quality and port and the port and admissions. There's the Stand Out A Coalition, but that is the coalition mm-hmm. of a lot of organizations that are actively trying to basically stop oil drilling in LA. And I think that that's one that is a very important we issue. Met, we met a young woman from there. Uh, we, we were at the Sunrise Movement when they had their town hall here uh, a couple weeks ago. We met a woman who spoke at that, who actually gave my card to. I need to follow up with oh, her. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, she she was awesome. Very impassioned. Yeah, I think any of those organizations would be great. Um, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget someone, and then I'm gonna get an angry, like, feel bad about it later. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> it happens, man. I, all I do is forget yeah. shit all day, so don't worry. You're yeah, welcome. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't give you guys a shout out. Oh no, it's all good. Man. You can always send us more, and we can put them in the show notes. It's a, oh yeah, it, yeah. It, whoever's having the biggest impact and and really making a difference and not laundering money, we're game for. <laughs> um, don't launder money. That's okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm learning so many great lessons it, today. Yeah. And I also, because I, I love all the food stuff, is LA Food Policy Council is doing a lot of great work. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Rock and roll. Thank you for all those. Uh, generally, we've kept you so long, and we really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast today and chatting with us. And, the subway's and, just stopped running because we've had her on. Here, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Please, God, <laughs> we've got to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we would love to uh, hit you with a little lightning round of questions, if that's okay, though. Sure. Okay, okay. Awesome. generally, when was the first time in your life when you realized you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful? Uh, in college, was I worked on a campaign to stop the UC regents from increasing student fee. And li- we basically were listening to Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer <laughs> when we got the news that they did stop for that year. The uh, increases. It's amazing. <laughs> Keep going. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that's when I was like, oh, wait, lobbying, uh, coalition building, 
getting a bunch of signatures, holding actions can impact policy. Great. Noted. <laughs> I, I have, I can influence policy. Let me go save the world. Outside. Yeah, let's do this. Activated. Yeah. <laughs> Activated. Captain Planet. Um, that's super <laughs> fucking cool. I love that. Oh, Bon Jovi, man. Oh, boy. Lana, it was th- so funny. It was just like a funny thing. We're like, we're really Bon Jovi. That song playing, and we're like, yeah, we were living on a prayer, and it happened. Uh, that's a, that's that's, so cool. that's amazing. That might be the title of this episode. Uh, generally, who is someone in your life that has positively impacted your work in the past six months? In the past six months, mm-hmm. getting specific here. I will I will say this because I actually threw her retirement party, so it wasn't directly related, but it was my, one of my great mentors who you should also have on the podcast, um, Susanna Reyes, who is this fierce um, woman of color that was, who was on the National Sierra Club board, but was a city employee, recently retired, and now I think is about to be confirmed to be uh, a, the a Department of Water and Power Commissioner. Ooh. And she is fierce. So she spent 30 years with DWP and now she gets to tell them what to do. And she's a, just a, a wonderful, she mentored me most throughout the time that I was in the, you know, throughout the whole time that I was in the city, definitely like my work on team. And it is someone that both professionally and personally has a, is incredibly life-giving and loving and has inspired generations of, of public servants to, to do good work and not forget about our all of our communities and a big fighter of social justice. That's awesome. I would love to have her on. That sounds uh, super yeah, cool. super fun. And I'm so glad she had such a, an influence on you. We are uh, we're all better for it. That's for yeah. sure. Brian, take it home. Generally, what do you do? What is your uh, self-care, you know, when you feel overwhelmed? You, you mentioned praying and meditating. Anything else that you do? TV, books, I, I walks, like ice cream. Laugh, laugh, laughter. Laughter is important. You know, being able to, to get a good laugh in with friends. I think it's a good therapy. And then the, I would also say prayer meditation and keeping physically active. You have to get those jumping jacks. Yeah. Right? What, <laughs> what is your physical like exercise of choice? What do you do? I'm actually a part of the... Um, Boot camp gym that is very, that is so much fun. It's a fun little community. Yeah. That's seven minutes from my apartment. Oh, cool. And it's owned by a married couple that grew up in the, in my neighborhood. So I think that's such a wonderful, that's awesome. Um, way to give back. Yeah. But they started this business and it has all these, and it's become a, a neighborhood hub. That's awesome. That's very cool. But, Plus those boot camp things, they kick your ass. They're such a great workout. Oh yeah. Those yeah. Are, I mean, you come out and you're just, you're like six pounds lighter yeah. because you've sweated just <laughs> buckets onto the ground. And I think you're basically just like, you're like a martial artist by the end, right? Can, <laughs> you can just like street fight. I think so. Um, yeah. I think. Uh, but, but also, as you, as you mentioned, because we're getting older, you also... There's a lot of foam roller time. But oh, that's important. So important. But there is there is a foam roller about six inches from Brian in our office. Yeah, we uh, it's 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 pretty necessary. They're wonderful. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. <laughs> uh, generally, if you could Amazon Prime one book to Donald Trump, what book would it be? Oh. Mm-hmm. I actually think he already got this one. Did throw it on directly. Oh. I would do Lasso C, which is the the Pope's encyclical on the environment. But I actually think the Pope gave it to him. Yes, but has he read it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> Uh, that's an awesome recommendation and, and really a, a pretty tremendous read uh, and, and I think has had a big influence on a lot of folks. Um, so thank you for reminding us of that one, for sure. Listen, uh, last thing, where, where can our followers uh, stalk you on the internet? Let's see. Well, my LinkedIn profile is, is public and then Facebook. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, sweet. Well, we will put the LinkedIn out there for sure. And uh, again, no envelopes of cash cannot be right. clear enough, people. Right. Uh, no. Just real bad idea. Uh, hey, man, we just want to say thank you so much, Jenny, for 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 coming on and, and making the time. It's um, it is truly, I think, going to be a transformative five to ten years for Los Angeles. And that's yeah. not to say uh, the past uh, six years you've been you've been working on it hasn't been that, but obviously you have made a difference and are have built a foundation for for more future things to happen because obviously it's getting clearer in a lot of ways that we need to do these things. Um, so it's it's awesome to hear the work that's going into them and, and that folks like you uh, are the ones behind it because uh, we need it. Great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, listen, we will uh, talk to you soon and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find you offline and, and uh, hopefully we can meet up uh, here soon someday. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're close by. Awesome. Generally, thank you so much. We're going to let you go. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your day, wonderful rest of your week, and, and thank you again thank for, you for taking, taking the time. for our city. You too. Thank you so much. Thanks to our incredible guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. We hope this episode has made your commute or awesome workout or dishwashing or fucking dog walking late at night that much more pleasant. As a reminder, please subscribe to our free email newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. It is all the news most vital to our survival as a species. And you can follow us all over the internet. You can find us on Twitter at importantnotimp. Just so weird. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Important Not Important, Pinterest and Tumblr, the same thing. So check us out, follow us, share us, like us, you know the deal. And please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to things like this. And if you're really fucking awesome, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Keep the lights on. Thanks. Please. And you can find the show notes from today right in your little podcast player and at our website, importantnotimportant.com. Thanks to the very awesome Tim Blaine for our jamming music, to all of you for listening, and finally, most importantly, to our moms for making us. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thanks.